Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. We're going to talk about a very special, a very special topic well, actually, we got many topics to talk about, but they're all special. <laughs> I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. Todd Smith with me. Todd, what's up? How you doing? Good. Um, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Excited to talk. I'm, I'm bummed I don't have a beer. As I said, my, I think most of your uh, podcasts, I see you with the beer. I I like two types of beer, so you know I love Stella and Free. Oh, so, well, well, you would have loved my beer. It was actually, yeah. I got to be honest with you, you know, the reason we stopped doing those podcasts is because I actually ran out of beer. And ah. there's a funny story that goes with those because those were beer. So, so as an agency, we're automotive specific, but every once in a while, you know, you, you venture out and you work with a different, different vertical, right? right. So, um, <laughs> all of those after hours videos was kind of, uh, I don't know, it was a good or bad relationship that we created with a small microbrewery, right? And right. Uh, what it came down to is that they just couldn't afford to pay for our services. <laughs> So, so I did something. I did something that my operations manager hated me doing, and I said, "Okay, well, cool. You can pay me in beer." Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a great deal. Sounds so. like it sounds like an awesome idea, right? Yeah, um, but I, I like said, it. "But I said, look, I want to participate in the process, and I need it. I need it bottled or canned uh, right. for me specifically." They're like, "Okay, fine." They did small batch, you know, microbrewery stuff anyway, so it was cool. So we actually created our own beer. We had the Lot Lawyer Lager. We nice. had the um, month end L, which was our most popular one. We had like the it. the low ball blonde, and the hat trick IPA. <laughs> you were set up, and we were set, set up. up. So we we had at one point about four thousand cans of beer, and wow. uh, what ended up happening was I just I gave them away. I everywhere I went, I would have a case of beer with me, and uh, I was all my clients' favorite vendor. I would <laughs> I would roll in with a case of beer. <laughs> And every, you know, what's funny is it's, I still see clients now because they thought of it as more of a novelty item. They had it sitting on their desk. Right. But, right. uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was, I digress, but there's the beer story. Um, let's kick off today's Bye. podcast though, Todd, with a little origin story. So everyone out there that's watching and listening right now and kind of don't know about you and your journey and kind of how you got started in the industry. I think it's fun to kick off podcast with that origin story. So Todd, yeah. how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Okay, mine started a long, long time ago. Um, my when I was a kid, both my neighbors in Ocean City, where I grew up, were large car dealers. Uh, one's FC Kerback, and the other one uh, was the Miller family he had stores up in the Carlisle area, Pennsylvania. And I was around cars my whole life, and nice. then I started cleaning cars. And then I said, "Wow, maybe I could fix cars. That seems <laughs> a little bit better of a job, more money." And then I realized that about 18, I was like, I want to sell cars. Um, I think that would be far better. I saw it was a better lifestyle, air conditioning, and, uh, uh, you know, I think a nice white shirt. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think always having clean hands. So gravitated towards that. I worked my way up. I became through sales management. I ran a couple automotive groups. I ultimately bought a Chevy store in New Jersey. I worked there and loved it. Uh, but at the time, I didn't want to move back to New Jersey because I was living in Florida. So I sold store, came back and started Active Engage, which was, uh, we were the first 
people have pioneered managed live chat for mm-hmm. auto dealers and then uh, sold that. And now I'm off on another adventure, um, really building new tech and around texting is my passion because I believe people actually respond to it versus email or phone calls. You know, it, it, texting is really kind of is like the new version of a phone call, right? I mean, how often do I, like, I'll text people to ask them if I can call them. Yeah. <laughs> like, just... But that's what we live in. And like, people don't realize. So you think about like phone, is, right? right? 19% maybe you're lucky that they would answer from an unknown number. So 100%. every dealership calling on a sales lead, it's an unknown number. Uh, customer hasn't saved that. So odds are it's not, you're not going to get connected. Then with carrier changes, a lot of those go directly into voicemail now. Yeah. So, and you can't be a master at setting voicemail. I mean, that doesn't work. And then you look at email and many dealership platforms, a lot of the emails wind up in spam filters mm-hmm. um, or the emails just aren't what I consider exciting enough to move the customer to take any action. But I will tell you, text messaging does one thing. It rings on your phone and you read it. And believe it or not, statistically, you know, 45 plus percent of the people will respond to them. So, and sometimes it's just getting your message read and in front of the customer. Oh, 100%. And the customer then to me controls the cadence of the relationship. And I, I believe all of us like that, yes. not just auto customers. I think anything. I mean, your dentist probably sends you a text reminder, you know, your doctor. Um, I mean, gosh, I go down the street to get pizza and they send me a reminder. So I, I think... Auto is just not really caught on to leveraging texting as it could to really empower better relationships. No, that's totally true. I mean, really right now, I think as an industry, we've done a, a, a half decent job of, of embracing texts as, as far as a form of marketing. Um, and then there are some great dealerships that have done a really good job of, in, of utilizing it on a day-to-day basis within their communication efforts. But to your point, I don't think necessarily a, a lot of the industry has really kind of caught on to the power that that is in texting because it does give you that control element, which I think right wow. now, any any level of additional control we can give back to the customer actually benefits us. Now, and yeah. that, now that's a really tough pill for our industry to swallow <laughs> because yeah. we want to always be in control. Um, but you know, I think like any good tool or product out there, that tool or product is only as good as how well we actually use it. And that's where I kind of wanted to go with today's kind of conversation, because I think text messaging, it, it's a great tool. It holds some significant power, but in the wrong hands can really be a, just a total nuisance to the customer. So that's where I want to start off because I, th- I think you're the perfect person to talk about this is uh, there are dealerships out there that have automated their follow-up efforts kind of using text messages, but I've seen mixed reviews on some of the best practices. So in your thoughts, what are some of the best practices for dealerships to utilize text me- text messaging within their automated follow-up efforts? Yeah. So if you look at that uh, in a couple different areas here, so um Text automation is different than the one-to-one. So what's coming out of CRMs is really more one-to-one of trying to follow up with the customer. Text automation is, as you said, we've created a workflow and now I want to go through that process with the customer. And I believe best practice will come down to aligning with the dealership's existing processes, creating workflows, and creating messaging that actually helps the consumer and empowers them. So... Let's take a. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Give me some examples of that. Like, yeah. what's a good so let's, message? Let's look at an example. Um, 
here's a good text workflow. So uh, you just sell a vehicle, right? So it's marked sold. So that triggers a text, and maybe it's a video text message that says, uh, hey, this is Todd Smith with Todd Smith Chevrolet. I just wanted to personally uh, send me a quick message and thank you for buying a car from me today. I really appreciate it. Hope your experience was amazing. Uh, if it was amazing, just reply via text with the number one. If you had any problems, though, it's very like important that. I know about them. So please reply with the number two. Um, and then think about it. The text screen, if they reply with number one, the next thing that they would get is, awesome, I'm glad you had a great experience. Here's a link to Google to review us because we know they had a good experience, right? They pressed one in the automation. Now we've moved them down the funnel and we're moving them into reviews. Exactly. So if they click the link in the review, we now can mark that. So uh, we know that they reviewed and maybe a day or two later, we sent another message that say, hey, I just wanted to thank you for the review you, uh, you, know, you did. And mm -hmm. here's 25% off any accessory in our accessory catalog. Or here's a free oil change coupon. You can give it to a friend or use it yourself, right? Build some brand loyalty there. Well, it has now, that value, they, right? Yeah. And then if they said two, let's say it was a bad experience. Maybe you hit back with another video and it's more choppy. You know, one of those quick cut, like, hey, this is Todd. I'm the GM. I just saw you hit two. That's a problem for me. I'm getting with my managers now. Someone's going to reach out with you really quick. And think about it that, the consumer experience. They're like, wow, for that's sure. great. Uh, or even just a text message that says, hey, we really understand that there's something wrong. We're looking into it. We're going to be right back to you. So, and then that obviously that kicks out of automation because now you want to personalize that response. So that's one example, right? That yeah, you, I like that. But, but know, really at the core one, though is, yeah. is you're talking about a process. And see, that's, right. and, that, and that's what I think is really kind of key here is, is that the, the, the text message is complementing that process. Now that process may have existed before. In fact, that yeah. that scenario that you just painted there very well, by the way, thank you, um, yeah. could have just been done over the phone, you know, or yeah. would have been done over email, right? And actually, probably still is for a lot of dealerships out there. But what we're saying here is that that that, that text messaging has that more of that personal c connection, and it's the speed of communication, right? Yeah, and it's at the discretion of the consumer. Exactly. So to me, it's delivering content that's valuable to the consumer at the consumer's pace. And I think text is a way. It cuts through everything. Like there's no spam trap for text messaging, right? There is no, hey, I didn't that's see true. that email that you sent or those 37 emails your dealership sent me because <laughs> uh, they wound up in my spam folder. So uh, to me, text is going to get through. And, you know, a lot of people don't even listen to their voicemails. They see it from an unknown number. They listen to three seconds of it and they just swipe it away. So I felt like text is the, the one channel. If you utilize it right, it can make a dramatic impact on your dealership. So we, we mentioned the variable side, right? That's the sales sold follow-up. Let's get more reviews for mm -hmm. the store. Let's look at another one. Let's look at, you know, service, right? Let's look at, uh, decline service work. So I know that's a trigger in a DMS, right? They decline service. Uh, we see the ROs close. Maybe we wait a few days, send them a message, say, hey, no, you're in. Just want to thank you for service. Really appreciate it. You know, no, yep. you missed a couple of things. Um, you know, 
and maybe at that point to say, here's a coupon, right? It's a time sensitive one. So we could say, I'm incentivizing you if you uh, react within the next 30 days, right? Or yep. two weeks to take advantage of it, right? Um, now, some people, maybe it was a budgetary thing, so they didn't want to do it. But others, maybe that's the incentive that drives them back in. Maybe it's another scenario that you work through. I mean, to me, there's so many variables inside there. Recall For notices. Sure. Um, you know, you can look at all closed ROs that you could send them a payment system, right? So ROs closed here, pay online. I mean, there's so much automation that you could use that right now, dealerships are depending on human capital. Yes. And if COVID taught us one thing, Jason, one thing was that dealerships can still operate on a lot less human capital and still be efficient. And it all showed up on everyone's bottom line 100%. since most dealers had the most profitable year ever. So the question is, you don't want customer experience to suffer, but you got to figure out, okay, what workflows can I go back and that I have that I can use text or you know text and email to create a better experience for my consumers without diminishing that, you know, to me, uh, the highest level of satisfaction at every interaction. You know, I love the fact that you said better experience, you know, yeah. because I, I find right now, and I love you know, you're using the word workflow, which I, I, I wish we used that word actually more often. I actually find we don't use that word that often. I usually find that we like to substitute that word for lead life cycle which right. seems it has this very, very rigid kind of feel to it. And it's like, and this is what I do at 13 days. And this is what I do at my 17 day. And this is what I'm going to do on day on hour 127. And like, it's just, um, but, but it is, it is more of a workflow. See the difference between a lead life cycle is that it is, is well, it's the life cycle. You, you follow it or you don't follow it. Workflow on the other hand can branch off and go from, from one branch to another to another, depending on how the consumer is actually working through it. It's more fluent. But the cool thing is you build a workflow around the customer, yeah. not around yourself. This way. We are nonlinear creatures. <laughs> we don't just go through these steps, right? Exactly. And do it all the time. And in fact, it's most evident in like digital retail, right? But, and we'll get to that. I'm yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. But, you know, if we just look at it, we go in our CRM and we set up a process like, as you said, day 13, call Jason. Day 94, call Jason. <laughs> yep. Day 111, email Jason. Day 1,462, <laughs> send this email. And the problem is all these tasks build up in the CRM and the sales guy goes, I, I don't even know what I'm sending, Jason. And, exactly. and there's no value. There. And that also is in conflict. The customers, they're so far out of getting those messages. They, You're just wasting time. And I feel like we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. For sure. We're trying to market linearly, yet customers, all of us, humans in general, are nonlinear. So we need a system that's more behaviorally in touch with in tune with what we're doing. And that means, I you like know, that. hey, I'm going to ask you a question via text based on how you answer. We'll move you in a different bucket or we'll move you over here. Now you're going to get on a different stream. Uh, that's going to ask different things. And I think having, you need a system with that like flexibility uh, in this day and age to resonate with customers, right? And not just be throwing marketing messages. 100%. Them, you, you, right? you, can't, you can't just keep 
j- just keep hitting the pinata as hard as you can and just hoping that something's going to happen, right? Like it's just it just like there's only it, so it, much candy that falls out of this. Yeah, there's only so much. And, and, and what is that? The, like the definition of insanity is just doing the exact same thing over and over and expecting some type yeah. of different results. And I think that's kind of the difference between a workflow and a lead life cycle. Right. Yeah. And, you know, look, I think there's a lot of dealers out there that may be watching and listening and going, okay, this makes sense, but this sounds like a lot of work. And you know what the bottom line, it, it is, and it should be right. Like, I oh, mean, I on. think to map out a real workflow for the customer, not for yourself. Yeah. Right. So let's, let's walk through this. I know you do a lot of this, right? What are yeah. some of the best practices? All right. For a dealership to sit down, to map out a workflow that's customer centric, not necessarily dealer centric, because I think more customer centric would get the more successful we are. Right. So look, if we're going to map out different workflows, right? Let's let's break it into two areas. Okay. Am I doing uh, what I consider just sales? Right. Like I'm trying to increase the number of units I'm selling because there are different workflows, right? Sure. These are more fast paced. I'm I'm trying to incentivize you. They're they're very latent in. Uh, time sensitivity, right? And mm-hmm. then you have what I consider renewal renewal and expansion revenue. And that's where all the real money is in dealerships, right? Where I now have you, I need to turn you in from you bought once to now you service with me, buy again, continue to service with me and then buy a third time. And about that time, I have some sense of loyalty with you. Because you buy once, there's no loyalty. Um, that really doesn't mean anything. And I think dealers have a, the mistaken identity, and I did too, I think, in past of my career, thinking like, well, I sold them, he's loyal to. They're exactly. not. So what we have to do is build workflows that build the relationship. Yes, so you can I create like a that. text program that's just asking questions like, hey, I can send you a text. Hey, Jason, like a year, uh, eight months from now, hey, Jason, are you still enjoying the Alexis, you know, IS? That's all I said. Yeah, exactly. It's not like um, go, it's not like, yeah, hey, man, Jason, uh, the I, new Lexus IS has got two point nine nine percent lease rate. You want to come in? Like, well, yeah. Well, you don't even have to send that. Just say like, hey, are you still loving the car? Yes or no? You like, know, and it's, it's actually, just like you mean actually yeah. be a person in our communication efforts. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's that to me. So that's like that's those workflows that you can create that. It, it looks super personal. It's personalization at scale, right? Tech is yes. enabling us to deliver messaging that's personalized at scale. That's super powerful, right? And it's something we just haven't taken advantage of in auto as much as like big brands have, right? Whether it's like uh, mm-hmm. Whole Foods or Amazon or all these big brands, you get lots of text messages, right? You get, uh, you go to the grocery store, they, they'll send you a text, here's your receipt. Hey, did you get everything you wanted? Click back here to do another online order. They're very good at like right message, right time, right delivery channel, right? And, and that's where something I just don't think we've we've done a good job so far in auto. And, and, and that's, I agree that's with where you. I think texting could cut through. 100%. And I actually think there's a reason for that. And I think that as an industry, we, we've been kind of conditioned to look for uh, magic diet pills. And yeah. is that we're we're looking for um, that Staples easy button, like we yeah. just want the easy button, right? Like we just we're we're looking for ways to actually do less work, not necessarily more work, and 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 that's where I feel like uh, for a lot of like not all dealerships, all right. There's some amazing amazing dealerships, 
that have understood how tech should actually assist the process, not define the process. But I still think as an industry, we still look at technology and specifically even like text messaging. And we're just assuming you guys are going to define the process for us and that we don't actually need to sit down the time. So let's actually explore that topic a little bit more. When I say uh, tech assist the process, not define the process, what, do you, what are your thoughts when you hear that? I'm, uh, yeah, look, I'm a process guy. And processes are what makes things work organizationally, right? You want a good process. Now, if I have bad processes and I'm trying to get tech to fix my processes. Mm -hmm. The only thing it's going to do is accelerate my bad processes, most likely. <laughs> so I'm a huge believer that, you know, have processes. So let's, let's look at this, as you pointed out, like it can be a little painful to define your processes, right? But if it took me, and, and I want you to think about this as the, let's just take this out of context for a second, but sure. let's say, um, I want you to, um, you know, be really self-sufficient in your life. You live up in a cabin and I'm going to spend two months teaching you everything you know how to survive. Okay. We're going to do everything from fishing with nothing but a stick to all these different things, right? I'm going to, we're going to go through these lessons over and define them that you at the end of this journey are going to be super self-sufficient, that you have a system that's just running. Are you willing to do that? Or are you still okay waking up like it's Groundhog Day and just trying to figure everything out every single day uh, like it's a new journey? And though it's harder to do one and go through the time and you know document all the processes to do things, the end results are incredibly more powerful. Oh, 100%. And I think you just got to stop. And in our business, we're so into thinking about just the next 30 days. Like we well, got to get more cars out. Exactly. And, uh, like we, like we and, have to get out of that mindset. We have to understand that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And I, right. think, and I think once we get into that mindset, then we start looking forward. It makes it easier to do so, don't you think? Yeah, build the long-term thinking. And look, it takes time to set up automation. Yeah, it's you're going to take weeks, months, um, and then you're going to keep tweaking it because it's going to keep getting better and better, right? You're gonna, you're never going to not improve it. It's continuous improvement, right? Kaizen. I mean, yes. Toyota pioneered that philosophy. And but I think if you do that, the rewards are 10x. Oh, huge. It's not, it's not huge. double your investment. It's not triple your investment. It's 10 times your investment. Little throw out to uh, GC, Mr. Grant Cardone, <laughs> and it's 10x. Like, I, I think it's all about that. And I think when you create those workflows, and you should only develop the workflows that already exist in your dealership, nothing new. Yeah, exactly. Start new. there. Document what you got. That just start there. Say, look, I have a workflow of how I follow up when I sell a car, right? Okay, cool. Let's let's figure out how to make that better and automate it a little bit. And what do we want to achieve on that workflow? Well, I need more Google reviews. Or yes. we have a hard time getting people into the first service appointment after they buy a car from us. Cool. Let's think about communication in that little frame and let's work to dial that down and make the 10x improvement uh, down the road. And when you think about automation, if I 
don't need three lease, uh, you know, uh, loyalty kind of, you know, purveyors, people in there that are constantly trying to track down lease owners and get them to renew. If I don't need three lease managers, I could do it with one because I have a platform that's doing the same work that those people were doing. That's makes sense to me. Right? It does. But and you know what? They actually have to create a goal and objective. You know, too often in our industry, I think we focus on the macro goals. And very similar, very similar. Do we do very seldomly? Do we focus on those micro, those micro objectives? And you know, it's like we. How often do I hear from a dealership? We just want to sell more cars. Well, it's like no shit, Sherlock. We get it. You want to move more. Everybody wants to sell more cars. Who doesn't want to sell more cars, right? But we got to get super granular. All right, with what that actually means and what are the nine or ten objectives that are required to actually for you to fulfill that that ultimate goal objective. And then once once we have those written objectives, then we can work backwards and develop out the processes. Now, now document, document the processes. Are you still surprised? Because I am still surprised today. How often I walk into a dealership to find out that there's no written process. It exists only up here. I mean, it's, yeah. At least we're now, where I am. Do you see the, the same thing? Yeah, <laughs> look, I not only see that. My other favorite personally is they're like, we have processes. I'm like, okay, show me your processes. And I'll look at a process and then I'll go watch them. And it's totally different. A hundred percent. Okay. And then I'll say, Hey, this is totally different than your process. And they're like, no, 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 it's the same. And I'm like, no, it's absolutely not the same. And then uh, and you kind of pointed out and they're like, uh, no, 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 it's the same. And I'm like, <laughs> it's not the same. And well, uh, because they never finished that last great. element, which is the measurement of yeah. the process, right? Like a process is only as good as how well we can measure the efficiency of it. Yeah. You know, if, if we're not able to measure, I mean, look at this. I think of, we love using sport analogies in our industry, sure. but it makes sense though, because they measure everything, every That's single opportunity. I think we only need to look at Billy Bean and <laughs> right? realize that it is, you know, quantum math to analyze every little number. And that can be turned into value if you're 100%. super smart, right? That, that adds to something. I, I think it's the other thing is, I think dealers have a false sense of security thinking the CRM is touching every customer who does business with the store. Oh, yeah, that could be true. I, I, I don't think that's reality. I think that, you know, the, there's, the systems break, the processes don't go out long. Um, once they buy, you hope maybe service mailers are drawing them in or you're doing all these like independent little campaigns. Yep. And they're not conversations, though. It's just, again, shotgun, broad marketing, everyone in the area come in for a 1995 oil change, right? Exactly. And I think it would be just far better to connect with people into a channel that you know you're going to have the highest conversion rate. Well, and that goes down to also what the dealership's culture is, right? If the dealership's culture is, uh, is all around transaction, and only the transaction, and focus on the transaction, and they're not focused on the relationship, well, it's no surprise to me. That every yeah. single piece of communication out there is just literally like bypassing all courtship and going straight to marriage <laughs> like, because, because that's their mentality. Like that's, yeah. that's their mindset. Right. So I, I think for us to get to a place like that, all right, we have to have a fundamental mindset shift to go and I am, every process I do will be done with the intent to create and foster a better relationship, knowing that, uh, 
the better that those relationships are, the higher probability I have to actually uh, fulfill a transaction with the customer. You know, it's but all about building relationships, right? It is. And that takes time and it takes effort and it takes consistency and commitment to the consumer experience at every turn. I love the fact that you said commitment to the to the customer experience because something that we talked a little bit about earlier, but I want to bring full circle now is digital retailing and the opportunity to create a better experience. Right? We mentioned we mentioned a little earlier in our podcast we were talking about about uh, digital retailing, so I thought this was a perfect opportunity to bring it right back into it because talk about an amazing opportunity, all right, to create or royally screw up the experience altogether. So I look, everyone's got an opinion on digital retailing. I don't think if anybody's listened to any of my content, they know what my opinion is. <laughs> um, yeah. But I want to get your thoughts. What, when, when you hear that, what, what do you think when you think of digital retailing? Okay, so I'm going to have to go way back uh, <laughs> to the year 2000. Uh, in 2000, I helped uh, Mike McFall and Art Deloy and Randy Ray launch AutoNation Direct. Uh, which was nice. a digital retailing platform where you went on the website, you researched your car, you got your trade value, you did your financing. <laughs> and then at that time, um, they had partnered with Daimler Chrysler, if you remember that whole mashup Frankenstein relationship. Yep, yep. And then uh, the customer was sent a site draft via FedEx that they walked into the dealership and the, the problem with this particular program was the F&I guy had to back into the deal because it was a, it was a draft, a bank draft that the customer had for that car. And, uh, and they had a hard time doing it and they didn't like it and they, they had a hard time upselling it. But I, I mean, I, I was doing digital retailing 21 years ago. So <laughs> right. now let me fast forward. Then I remember 2000, uh, maybe... 10, 11, uh, shop, click, drive. I went to General Motors. They said, we have this brilliant idea. Uh, we're going to sell cars right on the internet. I was like, yeah, I saw that 10, 15 years ago already. And they're like, no, this is new and different. I'm like, okay. And you know, you're going to show the car, mm -hmm. select it and get a payment. You do a trade in, you do financing and then delivery. I was like, okay, totally different. Not, but we'll go with that. <laughs> And then, you know, obviously the digital retailing starts to take hold. And uh, I think uh, Brian Pass, someone posted and wrote a book about it. I think there was like 34 vendors in the space. Yep. And then COVID hits, right? So now you have this like mass adoption into DR, not by choice, but by force. That's right. True. It's the only way for some of these dealerships that they're able to do business. And I... I think dealers all go into it with an open mind that, hey, I need this. But when you start peeling back the layers of this particular onion, right, I have a hard time knowing that three to 5% of consumers really will want to go through the whole process. So, okay, I put a process on and now I'm pushing everyone through it, yet only 5% of people truly want to go through it. Is that really good customer experience? Exactly. No. So, well, what about the 95% of the people that bust out of it? Okay, so let, let's talk about this for a second. So I now, I, I do my payment, penny perfect, right? I do my trade value, I'm okay. Yep. I get the finance and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this part. 
So I, I, I just abandoned. And next thing you know, that goes in as a lead. And I get a phone call from the dealership or 10 phone calls yeah. or 14 emails that say the same thing. Like, hey, you saw you put a lead in online on the 2021 Tacoma. When do you want to come in and drive it? And the reality is it's such a disconnected messaging because now I've put all this effort into that already. And most people just aren't reading the information in the CRM or the data doesn't transfer very well. Well, No, uh, but vendors messed this up. Let's just be honest. Vendors screwed this whole thing up because (laughs) we do, we mess it up good. Like, right. Once something good comes, we we find some way of, of, of fucking it all up. Right. And for some reason, we took DR and decided that it was a lead generation tool. What, what the hell was that? <laughs> for like DR is it's called digital retail, right? You want a customer to go through a whole experience, but that's not what it is. It, and it's not, you know, and the other thing is, look, why do we even have DR? Oh, because we have terribly designed websites. Okay. Now that's starting to make a little bit more sense. Our websites are all about like, click this to reveal a price or get our latest e-price or email us to check availability. We put all these barriers in the way to do business with us. And to me, DR is just another barrier, right? Well, it wasn't, you know what, it's a barrier in the sense that we created a barrier because we use tech. All right, we went tech first, process second. Solve the problem. Exactly, exactly. I think that's fundamentally the problem was is is that we 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 made the tech define how we're going to do it, and what the results were going to be, and somehow thought that the results were lead generation. Right, I'm a dealer. I got to change all my processes now to meet this tech process, and it causes disruption. And my old sales guy, who's been selling thirty cars a month for twenty years, he's like, I'm not using that thing. And, and now he doesn't use it, but now I'm trying to force my younger guys to use it. And I create these <laughs> channel confluence organizations. And you couple that with the true reality. How many Google reviews, Jason, have you read that state, I am so happy I did business with X dealership because they have a digital retailing process? <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen, I definitely have not seen much as far as as that comment goes but 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 they love to talk about the experience and what it it, it, and that's and see that's where i see process is what generates experience not technology okay the technology helps us assist execute the process in a more efficient in efficient way um but again that's the mindset that we just as an industry we haven't adopted quite yet or at least not everybody has and the ones that have are having amazing success around it yeah i I feel like look uh, dealers do you need digital retailing? You need a process or a website that will support letting a customer navigate through a journey. Now, I think the best programs right now still have some type of assistance along the way because customers have questions, right? And you need that interaction. The customer goes, oh, hand raise. I have a blockage here, right? And because to me, to self-navigate that, it's just not practical. And 95% of consumers also think it's not practical. And the other side is, are we building technology for the 5% as the most important? Or what about, what are we really doing for the 95%, right? That are just looking for, I just want to make sure this payment, this vehicle is in my payment range. You know, most people credit-wise, if they're get-me-dones, they're gonna. They're just gonna want to get their finance done. Like, they, I, can I get approved for this? Right. 
But most people are trying to size things up, right? They go to a dealer's website, they look at a car, they get a payment, and then they, they look at all the pricing and they go, okay, before I do anything, I now have to verify them. This is all of us. This is humans, not yep. just car shoppers. This is how we all operate, right? This is human behavior. Now I go out and I look at two or three other auto dealer websites in the area, same brand, similar, looking for the same car to see if the one I found is priced relative and good. And if it is, I go back to the store maybe that I wanted that one from, or I find a lower price from someone else, right? So I, I think we have to rethink our the consumer process and build better tech that aligns to consumer behavior, not that's it. We have to do it for the consumer. Design and then force customers to go through. <laughs> but you know what though? And I know it's towards the tail end of our time, but that's but that's kind of does sum up our podcast in a sense. It's like it, it it's it's all about the consumer. All right. We started early on talking about text messaging and communication. Then we talked about workflows and how we need to create workflows, not just so that we are checking out the proverbial box that we actually did it, but actually a workflow that actually is is in line with how the customer wants to communicate or engage with us, all right, and actually create relationships, you know, and then we talked about how the tech needs to assist the process. And instead of defining the process, and then the best, the best example of that right now is digital retailing. We screwed that bad boy up. We just really did, right? As yeah. an industry, we couldn't just accept the fact that here's a great tool, all right, for the customer that right. makes the customer experience better Instead, we had to screw it up and say, well, that's not enough. I need leads. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's all about, because what is it? The What's the rule? The golden rule, right? Got it be that who has the gold makes the rule. Exactly. And that's us, customers. Yes. All of us. We have the gold. We make the decision. Uh, uh, the smartest dealers are going to say, look, I need to map out my processes and I need to make sure I give dynamic consumer experiences. Then yeah, I, like I need to determine what channels I need to do that in, right? Then I'm going to get the highest penetration that I can have a conversation with the people who hold the gold. And I need to do it in a way that they feel comfortable. And that to me, and it could be multiple channels. Look, some people like email, you know, maybe that three people will pick up the phone, you know? vast majority of people are obviously going to take text as a channel, you know, yeah, of course. Uh, but I think that's always think process first, technology second. And, and then make sure it's built that. around the customer experience and it's a win-win, right? Um, Todd, look, I know it's toward, it's the tail end of our time and we could easily jam about this for probably a know, good, another hour, right? right? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure we'll probably extend this conversation into Clubhouse, aka Crackhouse. Um, but before I let you go, though, for everybody out there that's watching and listening and is really getting into this conversation and would love to connect with you and can maybe continue this conversation with you, all right, what is the best way to connect with you? Absolutely. Look, so uh, you can reach me online, obviously, anywhere, Todd Lear Smith. So whether that's the social on Facebook, Instagram, Clubhouse, you name it, it's always Todd Lear Smith, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you can text me because I do like texting, 321 662 or visit our website at uh, 360converge.com. You know, we are really focused around text automation and email and helping dealers just get more out of what they're already trying to do. So 
That's awesome. Hey, Todd, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. You have yourself an amazing day. Thank you so much.